0: All right, Sixers fans, Philly in a major hole, now down two games to nothing after a 119-103 loss to the Miami Heat. Lots to discuss in this one. Before we jump into it, though, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, we always appreciate a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. Joining me for this one, Mr. Paul Hudrick, the lead producer at libertyballers.com. Paul, Wow. What do, where do we start with this game? So if you didn't get a chance to watch too much of it, the Sixers were down by seven after the opening quarter, a couple times they got it to within single digits after that, but legitimately felt like they were down 20, the entire game. What did you make of this one, Paul? And where do you think things ultimately went wrong for the Sixers?
1: I think it circles back to a bunch of things that have been wrong with the Sixers all season long. Um, rebounding continues to just be an enormous issue um uh you know not enough not enough wing depth continues to be an enormous issue um uh you, you name it i mean it's it's and then on top of that once andre drummond was traded never finding an adequate backup center and here we are playing deandre jordan 13 minutes um and you know I, he's a minus nine i guess doc if, if doc wants to be happy you know Danny Green was a minus 18. So there was, you know, a couple guys worse than him tonight, but, um, just, uh, it, it's just, it, it's a stark. The biggest thing though, that stands out to me, jazz is like just a stark contrast of the heat. Legitimately. I mean, going up and down this roster, let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They're playing nine guys as a part of the rotation. Then you have Duncan Robinson as like a 10th guy. That's that would be better than anybody. the sixers are bringing off the bench right now. Um, and the Sixers, through two games, they have what I would say three playable players, and I don't think I'm exaggerating. Like I really think that um, Harden, Maxi, and Tobias Harris are the only three players on this roster through two games that look like they belong in an NBA playoff rotation. Everybody else, I mean, Paul Reed has had his moments, but and I, but and I, he's also a second-year guy and like thrust into a really difficult spot. So I mean, I guess all things considered, he's actually been pretty good. But for the most part, I mean, Danny Green has been, aside from the fact that he can't hit a shot, he's just been brutal in every other capacity. We don't. I don't want to keep piling on DeAndre Jordan, uh, but it, that that speaks for itself. Matisse Stiebel has just forgotten how to play basketball entirely. Um, he had just uh, 20 minutes of non impact basketball for the most part. To me, um, had like some okay moments against Tyler Hero when they splits up the strategy and decided to um, trap a little bit more up top. And, you know, that worked uh, on a few possessions, but overall um, just not a great effort from him. And the one thing I didn't like too, like they were getting their asses kicked. Obviously it's late in the game. Doc clears the bench and, and gets guys in and Matisse is still in there. There was a play. He let a guy just drive right by him. And like, I get it, dude, like your team's getting your butt kicked. You don't even want to probably be in the game, but, Come on, man. Like, play till the end. The the Heat guys are all playing till the end. So I didn't like that either by Theibel. He just looks lost out there. George Niang has been such a huge disappointment um, through two games. He finally hit A3 tonight. Fouls out in, what, 10 10 minutes? minutes. 10 minutes. Uh, Insane. Um, Korkmaz, I mean, sure, he hit a couple shots. But you could just see his deficiencies on the defensive end are brutal. He blew a couple bunnies. Um, Just he's not...
0: Sorry He's not a playable ball, guy. But, in, but yeah, in Rotation like, I said, like when when Jimmy Butler or he was Garden Butler I got switched up on him or matched up with him on even on the zone. Man, Butler would just get 2 feet in the oh. paint. just simply Butler knows? Him. Too easy. But yeah, play way, with them. yeah, way too easy. <laughs> no,
1: and it's just, it's and it just speaks to again, all of these guys on the on the Sixers have been uh, they've been bad. Like f- like flat out bad. And you sure like I I think we can all agree that the Sixers need way more out of James Harden, but I think the bigger issue, not the bigger issue, but just as big of an issue, if not a bigger one, is that no one's helping. So, like, you see what the, the Heat are doing. They're, you even heard Spolcher in the TNT broadcast show Harden a wall. Well, you know why they can show Harden a wall? Because no one else is hitting shots. So when James Harden drives to the basket, what do the, what do the Heat have to worry about? They just wall off and and, and make him pass the ball to the corners or to the wings hey, guys, you're missing every shot. So um, as much as, yes, I, I agree with the sentiment that you need to see more from James Harden. This supporting cast is not helping him at all. Um, and also, Jazz, I'll just leave it on this note. Like, if you were looking for a case to make for Joel Embiid as the MVP of the NBA, I think these first <laughs> two games are, are pretty are making the case pretty darn good.
0: Yeah, the Sixers aren't even a playing team without without Embiid, and, and this shows it, too. I mean, they, they would get beat pillar to post without him in there. And, Again, I don't know. Nobody was expecting Philly to win both games here. I I, I don't think that that's a stretch that nobody thought without him. But you were hoping maybe steal one. We, again, I, I mentioned this before in the podcast that we did with with Jackson Frank. Paul, is that the Sixers beat the Heat without Embiid or Harden in lineup when Maxi got going. So there was a chance they could do it. But the way they've lost these two games, that's the deflating part. And you mentioned Danny Green. Now in this series, two of 14 from the three-point line. George Niang. One of 10 from the three-point line. We've talked about this a lot on the network that, hey, the Sixers need somebody to step up outside of their big guns and be able to deliver on the offensive end. We look at how good Tyrese Maxey was in the second half. He finished this game with 34. Tobias Harris, anytime you're getting 20 from him, it's a good night. You finished 9 to 17, 21 points. You mentioned Harden, 20 points on 6 of 15 shooting. Nobody else came within a sniff of d- double digits except for Furkan. Uh, Furkan Kirkmas, who had uh, eight points there. So you're looking at this now, and there were so many things that, that were pissing me off during this game. 14-64 <laughs> to 64 from deep over the first two against Miami. Obviously not going to cut it. But to me, and I, again, I'm not going to blame Doc. I, you, we can sit there and say everything we on. I thought DeAndre Jordan was okay in this game. I mean, he only played 13 minutes. Definitely got his ass kicked on the defensive end by Bam. But again, didn't kill the Sixers completely. But looking around there, try something imaginative. They know what you're doing. There were so many possessions that I saw in this game, especially when the Heat were in the zone, which against the 2-3, you want to try and get the ball. At the very least, through the high post, maybe go Paul Reed up there flashing high post, maybe go small and put Tobias Harris in that role, but at least make the defenders respect the other four guys on the court because what we saw a lot of the time, Harden having the ball dribble, 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 dribble dribble at the top of the three-point line, or closer to the wing, no movement, no, no passes. And then let's just fire off a, a three-point shot or let's let's pat one pass and the, and the ball goes up. Just no imagination. When you look at at, at this game particularly, I'll give him a pass for game one. Again, you're missing arguably the best player in the in the league in Joel Embiid. Definitely to me, I agree with you, the MVP of the season. But what else could Doc have done differently in this game in order to just put his team in a better chance to win?
1: So you say imaginative, and I don't even think it's really that imaginative. I think like, and you know, maybe maybe we need to we need to have Jackson Frank on to talk about it more, but like why do they not run pick and roll with, with James Harden? Like one of the greatest pick and roll basketball players this game has ever seen. Um, when you like when Doc has said the reason he plays DeAndre Jordan is because he's a role man, he's a big roller um where you have a Paul Reed who is more than capable of screening and rolling and finishing lobs um I I don't know if there's something Miami's doing that just doesn't is not conducive to it I mean I've seen a couple times where that's happened and and Harden has found some pretty good pocket passes and pretty good looks to, to the big so you saw a couple early lobs in the game so I don't know what's going on there if I'm missing something maybe someone much smarter than me can explain it to me why I just feel like there's been no James Harden pick and roll. Um, Hopefully there's more of it when, when, if Joel Embiid comes back, because we just haven't seen it. The one thing I'll say too, uh, when you're talking about like imaginative and, and doing things up and switching things up, like Tyler hero cooked them in game one. He cooked them in the first half of game two. They waited until the third quarter to make an adjustment. And it was a good adjustment. He, he they decided to trap more and they to try to, they, they really, they were really aggressively, um, showing on, on hero and trapping them really, clear, really far out. And it threw off everything the heat were doing at that point. Why did it take one game and a half and a few minutes into the third quarter to do that? Like, why didn't you think to do this sooner? Like, where was this adjustment a little bit sooner? Um, Where, and like, cause Thibel one-on-one quite frankly, has not been doing a good enough job on hero. And it's been a really biggest point because I thought at times in the regular season when I've seen Thibault guard hero, he's done a really good job, but Thibault just is like a mess right now. Like he he's, I understand he does that trail thing and he's really good with the rear view contest. He gets a lot of blocks that way. And, 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 you know, he's never like out of a play necessarily, but he's just doing it way too much and it's just leaving everybody else out to dry and Hero's a pretty good playmaker. So it's not, it's leaving things open he's finding guys on lobs he's finding guys for kickouts on threes and everything's scrambled because someone else has to help because thiebel is is kind of letting him go by him in hopes of getting that splash play that that view block or whatever so yeah i I mean imaginative perhaps but also like i I think there's some simplistic things that i i don't i don't get and again maybe someone much smarter than you and i uh jazz could could explain it to us because i don't get it
0: yeah, it's a it's it, there's a lot of little things to it too, Paul. And you're, and you're mentioning you know Matisse Thibault. He catches the ball. It's like he's catching a live hand grenade. You know what I mean? He just doesn't even look to doesn't even look to to at the hoop. Like the basics of basketball, if you remember back in like grade school, is like triple threat. You know what I mean? Catch the ball, square up to the hoop, at least look if you have a shot. Maybe a pass, maybe a dribble. Nothing. His head. There was a couple times he caught the ball on the wing in this game in game two, and his head didn't even look at the rim. He was just looking right back to to give it to one of the guards at the at the top of the three-point line. Just no, no attacking nuances from from ball at all in this game. And and you mentioned that even in the two three zone, like you're looking at what Miami did, especially at the end of the first quarter. It was tied up at 24. The Heat go on a seven-nothing run to end the first. They're adding a little bit of full court press, you know, getting on Harden, trying to tire out the legs, getting on maxi, just just to, you know, mess with them a little bit and and some added energy there to expend. But you know, again, when, when you're talking about this, yeah, you could can, can run the pick and roll, but they, they didn't even look to get the ball into the middle of the zone, which is the soft spot. Like there was a couple times I'm watching where Paul Reed is on the court, even DJ, again, not, not the greatest passer. So I, I wouldn't, maybe wouldn't want to have him out there anyways against the zone, but just standing at the block, standing at the block. Those guys that are playing zone don't have to move. They don't have to account for you because they know you're at least two passes away. They don't have to do anything. And to me, what the Sixers were doing is inexcusable from from that standpoint knowing the importance of this game you've got to try and steal this one right you look at the you look at the overall facts only 31 of 439 teams have come back from two nothing down so again you don't have the horses without joel so I'll, i'll give you a pass for that but just nothing different nothing to try and change up the momentum nothing to try and keep the Heat's defense honest and we know how good miami is at protecting its own hoop but we just didn't see that and now all these things are going to trickle over to game three. And we're looking at game three. Are they going to be able to hit some shots? If George Niang, who, again, has never been known as a high-volume scorer, is your number one guy off the bench, we knew they were going to be in trouble. Joel Embiid masks a lot of problems for this team. But now you're looking at this, Paul. Going into game three, we are expecting Embiid to play. That's not from anything official medically. But, again, from what we were hearing, that he there is a pretty good chance that he could suit up on Friday but if he doesn't is there any way this Sixers squad can beat Miami in game three without Joel just because of the fact that they'll, they'll be at home again get that energy from the crowd and hopefully start making some shots
1: <laughs> I, I want to be optimistic but like <laughs> after what I just watched the the last two second halves it, it just looked abundantly clear that like Miami's so much better. And that without Joel and bead, the Sixers offense just can't get anything going. I mean, outside of the, you know, Max, he had that nice burst in the third quarter, but other than that, they had nothing offensively in the second half. And yeah, I mean, maybe the, it it, it is kind of like a, a known fact that, you know, role players, bench players do tend to play much better at home. That's a, that's a, I don't know what science is behind that or what numbers are behind that, but that is, a thing that we all talk about in sports or we all talk about in basketball is that, you know, the supporting cast typically do play better at home. So I guess if you're looking for, you know, a reason for optimism, perhaps they make a few more shots at home and then that keeps them closer. So maybe if they're closer down the stretch, maybe they have a shot and I don't know. I I just, I I don't see a path to them beating this team without Joel Embiid and listen, there's no sh- like, there's no shame in that. I mean, if you take, if you took Jimmy Butler off this heat team, they pr- and, and gave this, and the Sixers had Embiid in the lineup, the Sixers will probably be kicking the crap out of them. I and mean, that's just yeah. the reality. When the team is missing their best player in the Sixers case, the guy who you could argue is the best player in the league, this is, you're gonna, you're gonna suffer, you're gonna struggle, especially on the road against a very good basketball team. So, I mean, I don't think it's like, there are things the Sixers could have done better. There are things they could have done different uh, there. You know, it, it, maybe it could have been, they could have put up a big, better fight, more competitive, whatever, but you couldn't go into this series playing the number one seed without Joel and bead in Miami for the first two games and expect, like you couldn't expect them to split it. Like, you know, like you couldn't expect them like, sure. Like you could have hoped for it, but you couldn't have expected a split. So, um, to me, if you're a Sixers fan, it's like, yet it's disappointing to be down 2-0, but I think you have to, at the same time, look at some of the positives if, if Joel Embiid does come back. Tobias Harris really finding his offensive game, and it doesn't appear that Miami has an answer for him, um, and Tyrese Maxey getting going against the Heat, where he you know, he struggled in game one, really got it going. Um, I think those are two really positive signs for when Joel comes back, because when he does come back, things are going to be much more open for those guys. And then same, you know, James Harden really struggled in the second half. But with Joel Embiid in there, uh, that could be a different story for him as well. So I think that's where the positives are. But it, it, if you're asking me if Joel Embiid play, doesn't play in game three, do they have a shot? I, I'd say, like, slim the none.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you, too. And I thought, again, I, I thought they might have a chance at stealing one. We talked about this with, with Jackson on the pod on Tuesday was that, hey, they need 25 30 from Harden, 30 from Maxi and they just that's that was their only way of winning this game obviously didn't didn't get that uh, although Maxi and, and Harris did put up a, a fair amount of points um lots lot of things have to go Philly's way at this point. obviously game three now becomes a, a must win um looking at, at the hole you'd have to climb out of even with Joel in, in the lineup at 03 you know likely not going to happen but uh, I want to jump into looking ahead to game three on Friday Paul. let's do that after a short break. All right we're back. Uh, Paul. We were discussing there. Joel Embiid coming back for Game Three. Uh, Chris Haynes did have a report during the TNT broadcast. He said that Joel feeling a little bit better can actually look at his phone properly. He said the light was giving him some issues in, in terms of his his concussion and the orbital and the orbital part of me bone injury and looking at his eye. So some encouraging news there. If he comes back, what are you looking for the Sixers to be able to do? And and again, I mean, obviously we know how much of an impact he has not only on the offensive end but to, in terms of being a rim, rim protector, masked a lot of the deficiencies the Sixers have on the defensive side. But when, when you look at Joel coming back, how many minutes would you expect him to play? And what are you looking for him to do, especially on the offensive end, that would be able to just change the flow around for what we're seeing from the Sixers?
1: I think he's going to play as many minutes as his lungs will allow him to play. Um, I don't think they're going to restrict him. I think it's just going to have to be a feel thing. Um, and he's going to have to listen to his body. And if it tells him, that he's a little tired and he's got to come out and he's got to listen to his body and come out. And I think, I think the bigger, I mean, it's, it's, to, it's going to be such a huge impact on both ends of the floor. I think offensively it's, you know, Bam Adebayo is arguably the best switching big man in the NBA. He he's so good at that. And you see, you know, with Harden, Harden doesn't even want a part of him. Maxi even uh, a couple times deferred when, when Bam got switched on to him because that's what he does. That's what makes him so valuable is that versatility and the ability for them to maybe, basically they can switch everything because of that, because of Bam. Um, when Joel Embiid comes back, you can't switch everything against against Joel Embiid. Like, th- then you're looking at, if, if it's Harden, you're looking at P.J. Tucker uh, against Joel Embiid and give me that all day. Um, and James Harden being good enough to to find that um, I, I think he is. Um, and, and that's why to me, I th- I would be running a ton of pick and roll when, when Joel comes back, because you're going to get that look a lot. And if they choose to switch it, um, it's going to be really tough on bam. It's going to, excuse me, it's going to be really tough on PJ Tucker to have to, to have to handle Joel and bead. Um, and if they don't switch it, then that just creates other types of mismatches and maybe gets hard, hard and turn in the corners or gets them some uh, cleaner looks. So, offensively, I think that's the biggest and then just him in general. I mean, the gravity, what he's going to do, and the space he's going to, the attention he's going to draw, and how much space that's going to create for literally everyone else for Harden, for Maxi, for Harris. Um, and if, you know, if Danny Green or George Young decide to hit a damn shot, um, you know, it, it, they'll be even better, uh, cleaner looks than what they've already gotten. And then defensively, it's huge, too. Um, Bam, you know, Bam, I don't think was anything. He, he, had, he was pretty good the other night. And he's been really good tonight too. Twenty-three points. I, I, he was kind of quiet with those twenty-three points, but um, I suspect he will not score that. He will not average over twenty points a game with Joel and be back in the lineup for a couple of reasons. One, he'll have to work his ass off to defend Joel and and then two, on the defensive end, it's it's going to be a lot tougher sledding than going up against DeAndre Jordan and, and Paul Reed. Um, and it's just he he makes everything work defensively Joel Embiid everything and even like their zone when they go zone it'll even be so much better because you if if he gets by if a a heat guy gets by the first line of defense having Joel Embiid back there is such an enormous help Um, not only because he's such a good rim protector and all that because he's also just really smart and I don't think he gets enough credit for the fact that he basically quarterbacks and anchors their defense so when you lose him I mean that's it's like it's it's the equivalent of a team losing its starting quarterback. Like it's it's that big of a deal on both ends of the court. So, um, yeah, I, I think even if he's not himself, even if he's whatever, pick a number, 75% of himself, it's going to make an enormous difference coming home if he's available for game three. And, and again, you, you said offensively, but I think defensively, it's just as big, if not bigger.
0: Oh, for sure. I, I was thinking that during the game too. Like the, the Heat were... And it's funny watching the contrast between the two teams, like in terms of the Sixers without Embiid and Miami, just the way it plays, because we've got to remember the Heat are also missing Kyle Lowry. You know what I mean? We don't know if he's going to come back for game three too, but just the easiness of some of the buckets the Heat are getting is just vastly different than what we're seeing from the Sixers, where it seems like unless Maxi is out in the open court or able to kind of hit this, the funky little looking uh, finish that he gets on the drives, Everything seems like it's it's swimming upstream for the Sixers on the offensive end. And that's where I think Joel's going to be able to help, where, like you mentioned, guys like Victor Oladipo, guys like Jimmy Butler, guys like Bam Adebayo, where they're almost having this open season once they get into the paint on the offensive end. That's going to change with Joel there. And, and there were just so many easy buckets that you saw from Miami. Like, And there was a point, you know, Paul, looking at this even in the fourth quarter, right? Like the Sixers were, got it down to 10. and then, you know, had it down to eight, I believe, at one point. And then they just couldn't make a buck. they started one of nine shooting. Miami was not playing well on the offensive end. Couldn't hit a shot. I believe, I believe the Heat missed their first five attempts of the quarter. But then you just didn't see anything. And it just seems like it's so hard for the Sixers to get a open look. And we thought at the time of the trade, Harden would remedy that. And we're not seeing that so far. And there's no secret about it. He's not the same in terms of athleticism. He's not the t- same in terms of finishing, not the same three-point shooter. When you're looking at Harden's playoff so far, he had a couple of very good games, one and six, against Toronto. But now you're looking at this where you needed a max player type of guy to step up in Joel's absence and at least keep the Sixers competitive. Hasn't been able to do that. So when you're looking at this, are you resigned to the fact that even if the Sixers tie this series up at two, this is a James Harden we're looking at not only for this playoff run, but potentially going forward. And again, what could be a five-year $260 million extension come time for the offseason?
1: Well, I think this playoff run, this is it. Um I think that hamstring is just, it's just not in a good place. I don't think at 32 years old that James Harden is just washed. Um, I think, I think it's just a hamstring. I think he's just never fully recovered from it and it's just lingering and it's so important to everything he does Um, that step back shot, like to not have the torque to be able to get that up. Like you need your hamstring, like you need to be able to have it Um, him, not getting lift enough to finish at the rim, him not having that burst to turn the corner and get by people. Like that's all a result of, of that hamstring. So, I mean, it, you know, I, I think he's kind of downplayed it to his critics. I think he's trying to gut it out and play through it, but it's clearly bothering him. He's not right. I, I don't think it's like this. Oh, Father Time catches up to everybody. I think it's he's he's not healthy. I don't think he's close to 100%. And uh so I think for this this playoffs, I think this is this is what you're going to get. Now, you mentioned it. I thought against Toronto, he had like two I would say borderline brilliant games in games 1 and game 6. And to me, it's not about scoring for him necessarily. I think it's more just controlling the game like he you you, and I think Jackson put it a really good way when he talked to him on Tuesday he said he, he didn't feel him in game one and I think this is the same in the second half of this game you didn't feel Harden, and it, it's not about scoring 34 points it's about if you score whatever 20 points you know dish out 15 assists and control the offense and, and make the other team feel you like that that's the bigger thing so um, can he still do that with a healthy Joel Embiid and be in the lineup? Yeah, I think he can do that. I think he can play that point guard role. But anyone who's expecting him to just pull out the vintage James Harden, I right now, that guy's not there. Now, when you're talking about the future, could it be there? Maybe if, if that hamstring heals and he's right. I've seen some people throw out some interesting comparisons. Like people kind of thought Chris Paul was done in like his early to mid 30s because he had some hamstring issues and everyone was like, ah, Chris Paul's cooked. He gets traded to the Oklahoma city. Everyone leaves him for dead. He drags that team into the playoffs. And now look what he's doing in Phoenix. Um, Not to say that they're a direct comparison, but uh, you know, I I think it's not crazy to suggest that if James Harden's hamstrings get healthy, which again, I don't think can happen in the playoffs. I think it's not going to happen. If it does happen, it's not going to happen to the off season. I don't think it's crazy to think he can maybe not be the guy he once was but still be a pretty damn good player and still contribute to winning in a big big way so again just anyone looking for him to be that guy that he was i think you're going to be massively disappointed but that doesn't mean he can't still be really good in a lot of other ways but he just he you can't expect him to carry this team like he carried those Houston teams before
0: but paul, in, in in all fairness, and I, and I'm with you, hundred percent. I think you know, you just look at watch him play. He's not the same player he was a couple of seasons ago. We saw him struggle a bit, and we knew that the injury was there. The hamstring injury was there, last playoffs against the bucks in in the in the second round. So we knew what we were getting with Harden. I don't I, I don't I'm not anticipating him to change into being um, a guy who could score forty five and and you know, dish out fifteen assists anymore. I just don't think he has it. But when you look at his efficiency, it, it, with all due respect, you're looking at him 11 and for 28 so far over two games. And this guy might be looking for a max contract extension in the offseason. That doesn't make a ton of sense. Again, I'm with you. I'm not expecting that Harden, but given the fact where the Sixers are without Embiid on the roster and given what their limitations are, I've wanted to see him be a little bit more aggressive in terms of trying to get shots. I'm with you. I saw the Heat basically take away any sort of penetration he had, a double, triple team him, swarm him. The other guys weren't hitting shots. But, again, just not seeing him try to, like, like Jackson was saying, I, I think just seeing him kind of assert his will on the game, you wanted to see him at least try that, and we just haven't been able to, to have that happen in front of our eyes. And, and you look at what his limitations are in terms of physically, you look at what his limitations are in terms of on the defensive end. Again, I don't know, even if, again, even if this is come back to win this series, and, and you know, with Joel in the lineup, I don't, know, I don't know how things will turn out in terms of the contract extension. Um, that's, that's kind of where I'm sitting with this. And, and, and again, we, we know how hamstrung the Sixers were going to be without no pun intended there, by the way, mm-hmm. without Joel beat in the lineup, but they needed something more out of Harden. And, and again, I don't know if it was a lack of adjustments on the coaching staff, if it was a lack of, of Harden, maybe having the aggressiveness and the assertiveness to be like. You know what? Screw it. I just gotta lead my team or do whatever I can to at least keep the minute. I just didn't see that in the second half today.
1: No, I mean i I think he's doing everything he physically can, and I just don't think he has it. I think too. So you saw the one point where Maxi went on that big run in the third quarter, and then Harden, quite frankly, had a couple of really brutal possessions. It yeah, was like, yeah. It was like two that. or three in a row. Yep. And I felt like that was him trying to do that, like trying to will. And then he realized he couldn't. And then that's when he kind of deferred back to And I think that's the issue is that he, he is self-aware. Like he's, he's a smart dude. Like he knows, he knows he's not himself. So with that, I think sometimes he feels like, all right, it, it, the best play is not for me to try to make something happen. It's to make something happen to get, Tyrese a look or get Tobias a look and maybe that's not always the best case and and maybe he sh- maybe he should look to be more aggressive at times but I, I, it, I and I don't know that for a fact but that's just me guessing I, I think that he again he's physically trying to do everything he can but I just think he is physically limited and he knows he's physically limited and so he's just not not being super aggressive not again not necessarily by choice but by just you know the, the limitations of his body.
0: All right, Paul, let's let's try and switch the gears here and let's try and be optimistic, right? I mean, whatever it is. That we're, Answer that I game? Think, yeah, no, I mean, we're frustrated. But Joel and, and Doc Rivers said this in the post-game comments that don't know for sure yet. that don't know if, if Joel is going to be able to come back. He did say he FaceTimed with him and, and he appeared to be okay. But again, medically has not been cleared. We have to wait and see what happens. They don't have the benefit of the doubt that the Warriors and Grizzlies have of having a few days off. It's like you get the one day off in between and back at it on Friday. Looking at Joel coming back and a very daunting task at this point, having to beat a team four out of five. Not impossible though. Not impossible. And the Heat are not some mystical juggernaut that are like, wow, good luck beating this team, you know, four out of five times, but they did only win 53 games in the regular season, only finished two games up on the six or so. I'm not looking at the Heat as man. This this is insurmountable. But let's say Joel comes back, he's 80% of what he was and is able to play the final whatever amount of games there is in this series until the team obviously reaches four wins. But when you look at Embiid's presence, and let's say he's back in the lineup, from 0 to 100, how much of a shot do you give the Sixers of winning this series?
1: A oh, very good one. Um, I still think they have, you know, if Joel Embiid is back and he's him, if he's close, like you said, like 80%, I think it's like a 50 50 series at that point. I'm not even, and I don't think that's crazy to say if he's that good. Um, because I, I, I agree with you. I, I think the bull, I think they're not like the Heat are very good. They, they won the one seed for a reason, but this isn't the 96 Bulls. Like, they, like they're not this unbelievable force. And I think where the Sixers have the advantage, of course, as, 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 like we talked about off the top, the Heat have an enormous depth advantage. But to me, where the Sixers have the advantage is once you when Joel Embiid's on the floor, with all due respect to Jimmy Butler, he ain't on Joel Embiid's level. Um, He's just not. So I think that is the clear advantage. I think, like, when I look at the Sixers, like, throughout the season, the reason why they won so many games isn't because they have this great roster or Doc Rivers really coached them up. It's because they have freaking Joel Embiid. Like, that's why they won so many games. Like, he willed them to win. That's why he is an MVP finalist. Um, They were shorthanded a lot of this season, obviously, before Harden arrived. Harden was very inconsistent down the stretch and they still won a, a ton of games. And they still, like you said, be, you know, finished a couple battles. like if they, uh, so many, how many games was it? I, I don't remember. I think maybe the Knicks were the only team that blew more 15 point leads than the Sixers this year. So like how many opportunities they had to win a, a game or two and be right there, um, with the heat and perhaps flip the series to where it's in Philadelphia instead. Um, so like, yeah, I, I, I think it's if, if you again, like you said, that scenario, Chiwan Labita's playing if he's like 80% of himself, I think it's a 50-50 shot. I, I really think they can win four out of five. It's it would have been nice to steal a game in Miami, but I also didn't think they were going to personally. I, I really didn't see that happening. So the, they have a chance. They they have a chance. It's not like a, a long shot either. Like I think they have a legitimate chance to beat this team four out of five games. Um, I do think they you know they clearly need more out of Harden. They need more consistency from Tyrese Maxey. and they need to buy Cyrus to keep playing like this. They need all of those things to happen, and of course they need to make some shots. You would hope after yeah. these two games, maybe the 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 you know it, it comes you know the next couple the next few games they revert to the mean a little bit and hit some of these really good looks they're getting, um, and, and that would make a huge difference as well. So it, like yeah, I I certainly think they have a very good chance to still win the series.
0: I, I'm with you. I, I think if, if Joel's back in the lineup, they are going to have an opportunity to, I, I, okay, either way. And I'll be honest with you. This is my prediction. I might get roasted for this and I don't really give to, you know what <laughs> uh, the Sixers are going to win game three. I think I even think with or without Joel, I, I, I don't know what happened in game four. They might lose again by 15 like they have, but I just think being back at home, hopefully Niang starts hitting some shots. Although doc said he hasn't been hundred percent for quite some time in his, in his post-game comments. I think Danny green, as inconsistent as he's been all season. I think he'll hit some shots ultimately I do, but I think with Joel, they, they win game three pretty easy. And uh, again, if he comes back, it's all about the next one, right? You take care of business there. Then all of a sudden the, the task doesn't seem as daunting as it does at two. 0 right. It,
1: if you tie it up two two, you don't have to, you know what I mean? Then it, all of a sudden it's not four out of five. Then it's, you know what I mean? Then it's back to the drawing board. And, yeah. and so that, that's all you got. you right. Like that's really their only focus is right now should be take care of home court and then go from there.
0: Yeah, and it, it's pretty simple, and it, it's a lot similar to what we heard the Raptors and Nick Nurse say after they went down three nothing. Hey, you know what? We got to do it. They got they won a couple. Obviously, they lost the game six, but give yourselves a chance. And I think with where the Sixers are at, the three point shooting has been the Achilles heel in in both these games because regardless of how much we've talked about Paul, that they lost by sixteen, this one fourteen in in, in game one, and, and you're looking at this and thinking, hey, you know what? You know they're being outclassed. They make Danny Green hits two or three of those threes today. This is a completely different game. Um, you look at George Niang, doesn't go over seven in game one. Again, not to say the Sixers would have won, but maybe it's a closer, a closer affair. And I think that as long as Joel's in the lineup, even if he's at 75, 80 percent, he's giving you the rim protection. He's giving you obviously just a dynamic, you know, the leading score in the NBA on the offensive end, which is a completely different dynamic there. I think the Sixers are still going to be in a good spot, even with the 80% Joel Embiid. So there's lots left to, to figure out. Uh, Paul, I want to thank you for joining us. Of course, you do a great job as a lead producer at Liberty Ballers. So I know you're going to have a busy few days, but uh, always appreciate having you on. And obviously, we're going to do this again in the near future.
1: Sounds good. Hopefully uh, a lot more positive vibes after games three and four. Let's cr- cross our fingers on that one.
0: Yeah, we're, defi- we're definitely hoping for that. That'll do it for this post-game edition of Sixers Daily. Again, I'm your host, Shaz Kang. Don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. I'll be coming up with an episode with Wes Goldberg. He used to cover the Warriors previously, now covering the heat for the Locked On Podcast Network. He'll be coming on with me on Thursday. We'll discuss things as we get into Game 3. And, of course, Sean Kennedy will be back with the Talking About Podcast post-game on Friday. So we have you covered for all things Sixers. Don't forget, tune in to the network and, of course, check out LibertyBallers.com for all your Sixers needs.